Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I know that we all want hope. We want lots of it. And this hour is going to be exactly that. We're going to fill you with hope. Talk about your eternal future. If you ever felt frustrated about your body, maybe the way it's aging a little, and maybe it's not working the way it used to, and you think, huh, this is not going to be, this is getting less fun. But I promise when you have that resurrected body, you are going to love it. I guarantee it. So uh, my guest this hour is Beverly Canera. She taught Bible study fellowship for 30 years, and now she is a a continued lover of the word and teacher and mentor, and she's with me today in studio. Bev, welcome back. Thanks, Bill. Great to be here. So this passage we're going to look at today is uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and it's going to give us lots of hope, isn't it? Lots of hope. Lots of hope and for firm reasons. And we're not just talking about Oh, I hope so. We're talking about a sure hope here. Certainty. Certainty of hope. And so this to me is very exciting. And I actually found a need in my own life to go to this passage during these times where everything was making me so fearful that I just, I had to go back to the solid rock of the truth of the resurrection. And that has really, really helped me. Uh, I think we do get frustrated with our body. We, we People suffer from body shame. Um, we we want our uh, that perfect looking body. We're always comparing our bodies with others, and we can have some real problems with body image, body function. But today we're going to talk about the wonderful truth of getting a new body, a resurrection body when Christ returns. So we're going to be looking for hope today, understanding that great hope that we have in Christ's resurrection, and then our own can renew our hope and strengthen us for today's battles. What this is really going to do, I hope today, is to give us the long view, the eternal long view. We have to look at today's circumstances in light of that. When we lose that long view, that eternal view, Bill, that's when hopelessness sets in. That's when the fears creep in. Right. Sometimes hard to do, though, when your knees hurt. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're catching on the stairs like mine did this morning. <laughs> yeah. Our guest that was just in here, you just met Tom Parrish. His wife yeah. had a double knee surgery yesterday. Double? Double knee surgery, yeah. Oh, you, man. I thought they usually There's do them one, one at a time. brave woman. Exactly. So one she's in a lot of woman. pain today. Yeah. Yeah. Today would not be a good day. Well, listeners, if you have a Bible and you want to open it up to uh, chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, it'll be kind of fun for you to follow along because we're really going to do like a, an in, a, a study today, Bill, of this chapter. It's the most extensive scripture on the topic of the resurrection. It includes the resurrection of Christ, which is really the surety for our own resurrection and our new body. Let me just give you a little background on 1 Corinthians here and why the Apostle Paul, who wrote this, is writing. He's writing to the Corinthians, and the the Corinthians 
uh, were a very unusual people. First of all, the city was very important. It was known for commerce, but it was also known for idolatry, immorality. And it really had this Greek view of the body, which was the body's nothing. It's bad. All that we think about is just the soul. So Paul had gone to Corinth and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ, and a church was planted there. The church began to lose focus, which happens, and let their pagan background and beliefs creep into the church. Paul had to bring them back to the most basic and most important truths of Christianity. All that we believe in our Christian faith is really grounded in the resurrection of Christ. What we believe about our life now and our eternal life is also based on the resurrection. Really, the resurrection is God's stamp of approval from God on the saving work that Christ did on the cross. So without the resurrection, there's no, there's no hope, there's no showing that God accepted that sacrifice. It's an acceptance of that on our behalf. So let's look first at this first section in um, chapter 15, hope based on Christ's own resurrection. This is where Paul starts. He starts with going back to the basic understanding of a resurrection and Christ's resurrection, first of all. Chapter 15, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received, on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. So what is uh, the Apostle Paul just said here about the resurrection? Well, first of all, they have to, they've received that as truth, and they have to stand on it. They have to hold that truth firmly. Really, what Paul gives us here, and I write in my Bible, the gospel in a nutshell, what he just shared there was just that little condensed portion of the main points of the gospel, mainly that Christ died according to the Scriptures and rose again according to the Scriptures. Christ died for sins as predicted in the Bible. We can turn to Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, and many others. Also, that he was buried, he actually died. The uh, mention of the burial is an actual death. And that the third day, he was raised again, according to the scriptures. Now, Christ uh, spoke many times of his own resurrection as a, as a reality, of a coming reality. He even used the, um, the prophet Jonah as an illustration of that, who spent three days in the belly of the whale. We talked about that not that long Mm -hmm. ago. So it's really, really important to know those basics of the gospel and for us to be able to communicate it to believers and unbelievers alike. Don't you need the gospel every day, Bill? I need to remind myself of these basic truths of the gospel again and again. Well, in these next four verses, Paul goes over a partial list of resurrection appearances of Christ just to prove that, yes, there's a resurrection and Christ did raise. He talks about he appeared to Cephas, then he appeared to the 12, that would be the disciples. After that, he appeared to 500 brothers or sisters at the same time of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me, uh, the apostle Paul, as to one abnormally born. So he came a little bit later after Christ had resurrected, but Christ did appear to him. So can you imagine this in a court of law? Can you picture that on the witness stand? How many people coming forward that they actually 
saw Christ. Uh, could it be 500 people having a, a, some kind of a weird vision? No. No. Um, so I, call I just... that direct evidence. Direct evidence. Yeah. 500 people. Mm-hmm. And he's saying some are still alive. Hey, go ask them. They saw Christ. Jesus taught about the resurrection and what that was going to mean, especially in the book of John. So if you're reading the book of John, just take a look out for that. It's also the theme of the apostles' preaching was the resurrection. They kept it to the basic, to the truth. That was the the clincher, you might say, on all of their gospel preaching as they took the gospel out from Jerusalem. And then Paul kind of finishes this first section with a personal note. He has some regret. Um, he, he just wants to say again and again, I didn't deserve this gift. I didn't deserve to have Christ come to me. Um, he says it's only by the grace of God. So I see Paul again and again kind of struggling with his past um, of his persecution of the church. So what's the takeaway truth of this first section about Christ's resurrection? It's this. Christ's resurrection is the bedrock of Christianity. Do you ever watch House Hunters, Bill? Uh, no. No? Okay. I don't know what it is. All right. Okay. Well, I'll have to help you turn that on at some point because okay. it's really, it's a fun show. You watch people redo their homes and, and of course, everything is open concept now. So they always talk about knocking down walls and which one is a, you know, one of these stable walls that can't, a load-bearing load-bearing wall that can't be knocked down. So when you remove a load-bearing wall, if you don't put in, you know, something to, like a beam or something to give that security, uh, that structure security, it will collapse. And when we remove the resurrection of Christianity, we are left with Jesus just as a good teacher that God's word is not true, there's no hope for us or for an eternal life or an eternal body. So you give up on that. You say you don't believe in that or that Jesus is just a good teacher. You really give up all of that hope. But Paul's going to take his case even further in the next 21 verses. He, he uses a, a, a very unusual logic. He goes, okay, let's just say that the resurrection is false. Let's just say it's just one big hoax or whatever. Well, the first challenge he is going to talk about is this. If, if there's no resurrection, he's talking about resurrection in a general sense here, then Christ has not been raised. Um, he's saying to the Corinthians, the preaching and their faith has been all in vain. The apostles would have been false witnesses, right? Mm-hmm. If the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, what is our faith? It's futile. We're still in our sins. Those who have fallen asleep, lost forever. If we only have hope for this life, Paul goes on to say, we are a people to be pitied. Why were the apostles and other Christians willing to die for the truth of the resurrection if they had no more than human hope? Really, there's there's no hope in that at all. If the dead are not raised... The argument continues, let's just throw caution to the wind, eat, drink, and be merry, you know, for today. That's it. Just live for today. And then in verse 34, very interestingly, Paul says, this kind of unbelief in the resurrection is sin. So by them starting to reject this basic uh, truth, most basic truth of Christianity, they are sinning. And um, I thought that was really powerful. I had never noticed that before until I really was studying it this week. 
Next, the case for the resurrection is added to with several important important points. He goes on now here. He kind of leaves this argument, what if not? And now he's going to go on in his case, showing from the life of Christ. He calls Christ as the first fruit of those who've fallen asleep. And of course, that first fruit is the promise of more fruit, namely those who belong to him. Sleep here means death because all will be raised. Some to reign with Christ in his kingdom. Others are going to be raised, but to everlasting punishment because they've refused Christ as their Lord. That's so sobering. You're resurrected for condemnation yes. because you didn't believe. You, re- you refused. All will be raised, yeah. Bill. Yeah. I, think that, I think that people just think it's a dirt nap. Who? And, more and to come. More, there's more to come. Yeah. That take, body will be raised. Mm-hmm. Let me take a little break. We're talking with Beverly Canaris and the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15. If you don't have your Bible, grab one during the break and get it open to 1 Corinthians 15. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show. Beverly Canaris is my guest, and we're chatting about 1 Corinthians 15 and the beautiful resurrection and our eternal hope and our resurrected bodies. I love Paul's take on this, uh, Bev, when he said, well, let's pretend there was no resurrection. That's really an interesting angle to to look at. It's powerful, isn't it? It's very powerful, yes. Yeah, because he follows it all the way to the end. You know, he takes that logic. He says, okay, if that is true, then he uses all this logic and all these proofs of why that is just not the right thinking here and not true. Well, we're all the way up to verse 21 now in our chapter 15, and it reads this way. For since death came through a man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man, Christ. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Adam, remember, disobeyed God, which brought what? Sin, death to all people. And Christ obeyed the Father and brought righteousness and life. What this is really uh, explained by, this this seems rather deep theological, but what he's really talking about here is a federal head. Adam is the federal head of our natural selves, and he sinned and brought death to all people. Now in Christ, we have a new federal head, and that he brings righteousness, the forgiveness, and he brings life. So what a contrast those two are. This also included in this jam-packed chapter, the Apostle Paul gives us a broad timeline of end, end times events. Now, the end times, as people talk about it, are the grand conclusion of God's plan for earth and mankind. There are so many opinions on about the timing of a lot of these things and what exactly each event involves, but they're clearly laid out in the Bible. There are specific events mentioned. Uh, I kind of look at these events, Bill, like a filing cabinet where you have all these events that are going to be happening and certain people place them in different order, uh, different files. And so just give me a little bit of grace here as I kind of take you through the way that I see them. Starting then in verse 23, but each 
in his own turn. Christ the first fruits, then when he returns, those who belong to him. So there's going to be a, a time when Christ comes back, the end will come, and when he hands the kingdom to God the Father, he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. He is going to rule completely. So he is going to reign until all of his enemies are under his feet. That last enemy to be destroyed death. And that's really what we're talking about here today in the resurrection. So here's the timeline of the events, events as I see indicated by this passage and others in the Bible. First, all the living saints at the rapture will meet the Lord in the air and ascend to heaven and will join those who have come to a saving faith from the time of Pentecost to the rapture. And this catching up is spoken of in Thessalonians 4. 16 and 17. You might want to look that up. Then there's a terrible time of tribulation that's going to happen. Many will come to faith during this time. The Old Testament saints and those believers coming out of the tribulation will be raised up to reign with Christ when he returns in what's called a millennium. And a millennium is Christ's return to earth to reign for a thousand years. Now, some have questions about where that fits in and how that fits in, but that's as I see it. Now, there will also be a final rebellion when Satan is let loose. I often wonder about the wisdom of that, but again, I'm counting on God knows here the exact plan that he has. Christ will put him, Satan, and all his enemies under his feet for good at that point. The only people left to be raised will be the ungodly those who have rejected Christ, and that will occur at the end of the millennium, at which point there's going to be an event called the Great White Throne Judgment of God, which will be followed by eternal hell. Now again, we're all raised. That sobering thought again, we're all raised. All will be judged. Did you know even believers will be judged? Not from for their sins, but they're going to be judged accordingly to how faithfully they serve God and there will be rewards either gained or lost at this time. Then the unbelievers will be judged for their sins. Uh, the punishment for sin is eternal death. They will be given a body that will also live eternally. Can you imagine a body fit eternally for torment uh, in the separation from God? At this point, the earth is restored, the new heavens and the new earth, and things return to the way they were designed by God in the sinless glory of that new heavens, new earth where Christ reigns forever. So that's kind of just a picture, and a lot of that's right here in 1 Corinthians 15. It's pretty amazing. Well, let's take away a truth here. The belief in the resurrection gives us hope for the future. The belief in the resurrection gives us hope for the future. You know, there's that old hymn. I bet, Rebecca, you know this hymn. The world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. <laughs> my mother-in-law, who I adored and was a wonderful, uh, godly woman, she had that on needlepoint hanging up in her kitchen just passing through. And she struggled with cancer for the last 15 years of her life and died far too young. You know, Bev, I don't mean to interrupt, but no, I, don't, you're not interrupt. I don't know how that song goes. Uh, You've Rebecca? never heard it? Rebecca? You don't know how that song goes, No, Bill? I don't. Are I'd you being honest? No, I don't. I'd love to hear a little... <laughs> do you, can you sing a verse? Don't make me sing. <laughs> we love to make her sing, don't I, we? That's my favorite. <laughs> this world you. is not my home. 
I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Take it, Bev. Oh, no. I'm, I, you're, no, no. So you don't get that in those name brand afternoon shows. You don't. You get it on here. the afternoon no, show. You do. It, but Go it's, ahead. it's a beautiful hymn, and the truths in it are powerful. Yep. We just are. This passing is not our home. Yep. You know, everything in this world is passing away. All of our things will end up as trash. Did you ever see that comic routine where um, he says, you know, everything that we own is just in a different state of becoming, of a different state of trash. Even when you buy it, it's on its way to mm-hmm. trash. Our bodies go to the grave. Um, if we set our hope on anything other than Christ and the eternal life with him, we're going to remain in despair. We're not going to have the hope. And don't we need hope today? That, I think the hope and that forward-thinking eternal perspective is what helps keep me out of despair and fear, actually, when I'm looking forward to what Christ has planned for this world. So I wonder, listeners, what is crumbling in your hands right now? What is decaying in your body? Maybe you've got a relationship that's decaying. Your bank account? Christ is the only one who can give you a future and a hope. So will you receive him today and believe in the resurrection? And then, believers, are you sharing that hope, that hope that we so desperately need today with others? Well, now, what we have all been waiting for, what will our resurrection bodies be like? You know, look at our bodies now. I think they're pretty amazing, uh, really amazing. But our bodies are right now kind of like a prototype, (laughs) if you'll take that, of what they're going to be. Our resurrection bodies will be a continuance of our bodies. There's still going to be a recognized uh, look to them, but they're going to be new and improved. I love those words. Yay! New and improved. I like it too. Yeah. You know, we do have some information about this resurrection body, but there is a lot we don't know. A lot of it is still kind of mystery. But remember with the Lord, things are usually much better than what we think because he always gives what above and beyond what we think. So listeners, let the truth of a new body that never dies, never sins, never grows old, encourage you today. Take that long view. Take that perspective um, as you uh, deal with your daily, whatever daily is handing you right now. Well, Paul anticipates the questions we all have about our new body. In 1 Corinthians 15, 35, he says, But some may ask, how will the dead be raised? And what kind of body will they come? So Paul goes on then to answer his own questions with illustrations from nature. He says, look at a seed. It does not come to life until it dies in the soil. You know, that to me is such a comforting thought when someone dies. And I look at their body as a seed that's being planted when they're in Christ. Um, and then what springs up from the seed is very different from the seed. It's a very comforting thought. Isn't it? It's a great thought to have because it's so sad when you're at a grave and they're putting a body into the ground and you'll never see that that body that you love. Person, that I know. Body. But no, that's just a seed. And you will see that and you body will see again. And recognize that person. Yes. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's, it's thrilling. All right, it's let's thrilling. take a little break. Uh, we are uh, talking to Beverly Canaris, and we're in first chap, first chapter, uh, First Corinthians 15, and we're talking about the resurrection. We'll take a short break and be right back.
All right, we are back with Beverly Canaris, and we're chatting about 1 Corinthians 15 and the hope we have in our resurrected bodies we will one day have if you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior. And, Bev, this is exciting news. It's really uh, amazing to think about this new, improved... I don't even know if that's a, those are two words to use when it comes to a resurrected body, new and improved. You can't do much better than a resurrected body. No, but I think we... I think I almost... Early on in my Christian walk, I almost rejected the idea of having this body resurrected. Like, why would the Lord want this anyway? You know, it's been such a trouble for me. Um, but we're going to get to that that thought and answer that question. Where Paul is at right now in this chapter 15, he's, he, he's giving us some illustrations from nature. And he talks about how a seed is very different from what, you know, what you plant there, that little mustard seed, and then this plant shoots up, is very different from the seed. Think about a tulip bulb. I, they're, they're one of the most homely little bulbs. <laughs> and you got to plant them just right, and they're all brown. There's no color. There's no l- look of life about them. Um, how about the caterpillar and the butterfly? There's the caterpillar is just this kind of this worm scrunching along. And then he transforms and it becomes a butterfly. So an important point to remember here with Paul's illustration is that God doesn't start over again. So we're going to have this body that we put in the ground or however we died. He has no problems with resurrecting us again. Again, it's going to show his power, his glory. And taking that physical body that was so weak and transform it. We also know from this chapter that God determines the kind of flesh each living thing will have. There are different kinds of flesh, it's written here. There's the flesh of animals, birds, fish, humans. God has given even a different kind of flesh, if you will, to the sun, the moon, the stars. Each one has its own glory. And then it goes on to say, so it will be in the resurrection. In verse 42, gives us a little uh, clarity here. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable is raised imperishable. So you will never die again. Think about perishing. You know, it's just very vulnerable. Um, It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So that was very interesting as he tries to describe what this is. Um, Dishonor, it's raised in glory. The weakness, the sinfulness of our physical bodies will be overcome by a more glorious body. It's not going to look like the night of the living dead. Which, by the way, I did see that movie. I didn't sleep for a month afterwards. I cared. I did. I have not seen it. I, don't oh, I saw it like it. in like in ninth grade. Yeah. Oh, that was a see, mess. you still remember it. Oh yeah. 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 But I mean, I think people kind of get that picture of, oh my goodness, he's going to raise the dead, and it's going to look like that. Oh no, this description is very distinct. He, we're going to be imperishable. It's going to be raised in glory. All that weakness and sinfulness of our bodies is going to fall off, and it's going to be a beautiful, glorious resurrected bodies our physical bodies are sown in weakness and but we're going to have a power the power of god in us the power of god raise us and and bring us back to uh, our really our true self that he intended for us all along completing that work of salvation 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that's another one for listeners to write down. Paul takes 10 verses at the start of that chapter and calls the body a tent. Interesting. So it's like a tent is a temporary dwelling, right? Um, Versus being clothed with our heavenly dwelling. So there's the permanence promised. um, And right now, our bodies that we're sitting here in the studio with today is going to be transformed. It's a tent, and it's going to be um, restructured to become a heavenly dwelling. Now, the natural body is transformed into a spiritual body. Um, The new body is going to have matter. If you remember when Jesus, in his resurrection body, came to the disciples, he didn't use a door. He just appeared in there. So this could be fun, right? (laughs) your uninvited guests are here. (laughs) Um, Jesus could be touched. He, He ate. There's good news for the foodies out there. He ate. He appeared in that room. He talked. They recognized him. He did seem to have the ability, however, to veil his identity a little bit. Uh, I think the road to Emmaus with the two believers, he, he was able to do that. But in 1 John, we really get another little glimmer here of what it's going to be like. 1 John 3, 2, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. So what a great promise. We're going to be changed and we're going to become more like Christ. I I can't wait for that because in this life, we still have that struggle against sin. We have a dying, decaying body. We have decaying relationships. We have decaying everything in this life. So what a great promise that is when we see him. We're going to be transformed. Beautiful. Now, some may be asking, well, then what happens when we die? Like, what, what do we, if we don't have this resurrection body until Christ returns, what, what happens in heaven now? Well, when we die, we go directly into the presence of Christ. We're going to be ourselves. Uh, you read about heaven, you realize that there, we'll have capabilities to sing, to praise, to speak, to be recognized You know, at the transfiguration of Christ, when Christ went up on this mountaintop with three of his disciples, he met with Moses and Elijah, and the three disciples recognized Moses and Elijah. So there must be some kind of an intermediate body, um, for sure, that we just don't understand all the details on. Yet scripture is clear, we are incomplete and waiting for the physical body that has died to join us when Christ returns. God does not see our salvation completed until that happens. That's the the final thing that completes his great work. Um, Romans 8 really highlights um, this thought of this completion of salvation. It reads this way, And those he predestined, he also called. He also justified and he also glorified. So we have been predestined. We have been chosen by the Lord. He has called us. He has um, justified us. You know, our sins are no more. And the glorification is yet to come. That's what we're waiting for. God wants to finish the glorifying work of salvation by glorifying our bodies. 
one pastor put it this way, our matter matters to God because it shows God's glory. That which was marred by our sin, our bodies, nature itself will be gloriously redeemed. So our marred bodies because of sin decay and die and nature itself groans, we're told, groans for this renewal of heaven and earth and of the saints. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul next returns to the concept of the first man, Adam, our federal head, who has been the pattern for all those physically alive, but now the second man, the second federal head, Christ has come, and he gives us spiritual life. Adam, made of the dust of the earth, as all natural people are, but the second man, Christ, is from heaven. So in verse 49, it says, And just as we have been born the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man, the resurrected, the living man. Then Paul concludes this thought with the point that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So there had to be a, a change of this body of ours in order to inherit it. In the gospel, we talk about being born again. Now, think about what that means when you start to think about your future resurrection. It really is a picture. When we talk about that rebirth, it's a picture of this resurrection that is coming. We are born again now, given a new life now, when we confess Christ as our Lord and Savior, and the Spirit comes to indwell us. So the Spirit lives in us upon that confession of faith, and it says that the Holy Spirit is a down payment ensuring our resurrection body and our eternal life. So the fact that Christ dwells in you, Bill, and dwells in me is that down payment in order to give us that hope and that sureness. Don't forget Rebecca. And Rebecca, of course. Thank you. (laughs) It's glorious. Uh, Isn't it? Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit right now, so they are precious. They have value because of who lives inside of Mm -hmm. us. So sometimes we can think, oh, I hate this body. I just want to get the new body. But wait, slow down here. The gospel gives our bodies a lot of value. Uh, Christ made that body so that you can have the Holy Spirit live in us and that we can become that holy temple doing his holy work in this world. Well, in verse 51, he says, I'm going to tell you a secret. I thought that was interesting that he put it that way. He said, listen, I'll tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed For the perishable, remember the tent, must clothe itself with the imperishable. And the mortal, which we are in Adam as just man, with the immortal. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? That is good news. Um whether in heaven or if we are still alive on earth, the change will happen instantly for all Christians. Think about that. Boom. As they always say now, boom, new body, new (laughs) bod, yay. And then when this happens, death is swallowed up in the victory that Christ won. Death was a sting on all humanity. You know, 
it was a sting, but it it um, Christ defeated that. Uh, the power of sin, it says here, was the law. In other words, the law is what showed us that we were sinners. So that created death in us. The law pointed out sin that all people were guilty of. Without our sins being pardoned through faith in Christ, death remains the enemy because it will carry those into eternity, into not just nothingness, but it will carry those who have not received Christ into an eternity and into the door of judgment. And then verse 57, he says, But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death is not the final word. It means it is the means that delivers us into the eternal, into the glorious resurrection body when Christ returns. It's like going through a a doorway. It took 58 verses, but we're finally to the end of chapter 15 where Paul comes to a so therefore. He's given all this information about the resurrection. Now he says, now what do we do about this? I think we should take a break right there. That's a perfect place. So when we come back, we'll find out what there is for. We'll resume in first 58. Beverly Canaris is my guest. We're chatting about 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and the hope we have for our eternal future. Never get tired of talking about this. We'll be right back. us into the eternal and glorious resurrection body when Christ returns. So that's as tragic as death is, and it's an enemy to life, but it is certainly um, the next thing. It's not forever. No, it's not. Nope. And I think that without that thought of the resurrection, we are not going to think correctly about our day today. We have to have that long view in order to stay focused and and on that solid rock of what Christ did for us and what he promised for us, um, it's so easy to get swept up in all of the circumstances of life and forget the most glorious truths that Christianity gives us, and that's really the resurrection. I mean, Paul spent all of this chapter in such a detailed, persuasive argument about Christ's resurrection to begin with, then he talks about what would happen if, if there was no resurrection. And then he gives us this deep theology of the two federal heads of Adam, who gave us, you know, flesh and blood made of dust. But then Christ, the new federal head, who gave us new life and the hope for this new body and eternal life with him forever, not dying anymore. So wonderful teaching here in 1 Corinthians 15 on this whole idea of the resurrection ever you have questions or wonder what should uh, people asking you things about the resurrection, they're struggling with it, just remember 1 Corinthians 15 and 2 Corinthians 
five, the first 10 verses. They are really the just wonderful writings on the resurrection and the hope, the sure hope that we have there. Well, Paul is kind of going to conclude his thoughts now. We're in verse 58, and he says, But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over what? Over death. He just talked about where, O death, is your victory. Where, O death, is your sting. The sting of death is sin, but the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Um, Death is swallowed up in a victory. Death was a sting on all humanity as a result of sin. Um, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. So death is not going to be the final word. It means that it delivers us into the eternal and the glorious resurrection body when Christ returns. So there's a wonderful thought to take with us this day. Then in verse 58, Paul finally comes to the therefore. We always ask ourselves when we're studying the Bible, what is it there for? So he says, now, just to have all this teaching on the resurrection, therefore, in other words, and now what do we do? Two things are encouraged to do as a result of this great hope that we have in the resurrection. First of all, he challenges them to stand firm and let, let nothing move them. Boy, that's a good word for today. You know, we can get so wound up like little tops on the the state of COVID, the culture, politics. I mean, it's it's just so many people are wound so tight right now. They forget. They forget the solid ground that they should be standing on, Christ and the gospel. Stand firm. Let nothing move us. Not popular opinions. Not fear of man. Not the busyness not the pressures of living, not hard circumstances, not fear, not politics. In other words, don't cave people, Christians. The mission is still the same. The gospel of Jesus Christ is to be shared. The great hope that it brings to us is meant to be shared. This is what every person needs more now than ever. Secondly, Paul goes on to say that we are to give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord because our labor in the Lord is not in vain. You see how that just fits in with that eternal mm-hmm. perspective. D- d- what we're doing, you may not see results. Sometimes we, we pull back um, from giving fully, serving the Lord, because we get discouraged. We don't see the results we think should be there. Paul's encouragement here is this. We are just to keep doing the work, knowing that we are part of this eternal kingdom and our work will have eternal results. It will when we do them for God's kingdom and for his glory. You see, resort, uh, reward and results are yet ahead. You know, I just think we're blinded to a lot of it. We'd get heady, you know, if, if we didn't have that grace of God of, of um, kind of veiling that somewhat. The Such reward, an reminder. Yeah, the reward mm-hmm. and the results are in his hand, and they're going to be discussed in eternity, not here. I mean, sometimes you get those encouragements, and we're grateful for the encouragement, but um, we have to remember that it's really what's going to count is when we're called before the Lord, and he hands out those rewards. So I wonder, are you discouraged, excuse me, with your body? Are you feeling rather hopeless these days? 
Remember the eternal truths. Eternal truth of the resurrection. The promised resurrection of the body means that we will be one, once again, body and spirit. That body of the loved one that you've placed in the ground will rise again. If they know Christ, they will rise and meet him and their body and their spirit will be joined forever together. The body separation we have in death will only be temporary. Beautiful thought. God is going to complete the work of salvation and redemption with the joining of your body, your soul, and your spirit, because that glorifies him. He's going to take that last step of salvation, and that is the glorification of us. So with your resurrection body, think about this, Bill. No one will ever ask you your age. Hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we'll even be counting, right? How about this? The weaknesses of our bodies and the body shame will be gone forever because we'll see it as a glorified body before the Lord, and he just makes quality things. So I think it might be appropriate for us to just take a moment and praise Jesus right now for his resurrection that gifted you then with your own. Go back and read 1 Corinthians 15 and 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10, and just meditate on these thoughts. This will give you that hope that we need today, the encouragement. It will give you that long, eternal view that we have to use as our filter as we go through our daily lives. So the resurrection is such an important piece of hope. It is our hope. It is the hope that we have, and it's only through Christ that we can have that eternal hope. So come, Lord Jesus, come. And this resurrection body is a, is a present possession of ours. We don't have it yet, but it's ours. It's ours. It's going to be ours. Mm-hmm. So we have it right now, but we don't, we haven't, and we can't enjoy it until he returns. Yeah. But, but I love that thought. beautiful hope. I love it too. <clears throat> it's a beautiful thought. And I, and I, I do feel that so many people have struggle with their bodies, whether it's, you know, some kind of an infirmity or a body shame or loathing, you know, the, the standard for our bodies in this culture is so unrealistic. Um, and so to, to comfort ourselves with, you know, this body is never meant to be perfect. It, it's of the earth. It has weaknesses. Um, it has been affected by sin. But there is a body ahead that is so, glo- it's, it's described as glorious, mm-hmm. powerful. And then we get to reign with Christ in that eternal kingdom with our eternal bodies. Mm-hmm. Bev, I want to take this last uh, couple minutes here because one of the most often the biggest request we get from listeners is when it comes to prayer requests is a physical malady. There's a, there's a sickness, an illness, there's sure. something that's uncomfortable sure. and it's discouraging them. And I would I would love, in light of our resurrected bodies we will one day have, if you wouldn't mind praying for all of our listeners who are currently dealing with today an infirmity, a sickness, something that's uh, really holding them down and making their day difficult. And maybe their week, maybe their year, maybe their decade. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. I would love to pray for our listeners. 
Heavenly Father, as we consider this topic of our resurrection bodies and the great events yet ahead for us, Lord, we, we're, we're so hopeful in that, and we give you honor and thanks and glory that Christ rose from the dead, assuring us of our own resurrection, our own body that will be resurrected. Thank you, Lord, that you are going to finish this work, but today, Lord, we need to ask you for grace today to deal with these decaying bodies. We need grace, strength, and your power today in order to handle what these bodies bring us with illness and infirmities of all kinds, Lord. For whoever is really struggling with that today, I pray, Father, that you would, in your mercy, come to them and strengthen them. Heal them, Lord God, if that be part of your plan for them. You are a great healer and all-powerful. So, Lord, give your people comfort and give them hope as they look forward to that new resurrection body today. In Christ's name we've prayed. Amen. Thank you, Bev. Beverly Canaris has been my guest. Thank you so much for coming and talking about 1 Corinthians 15. It's been wonderful. I am grateful and humbled to be in this chair talking to you today. Thank you for tuning in and supporting Faith Radio. It means the world to us and to me. I hope you have a wonderful night. If you missed any of the show today, you can always go to MyFaithRadio.com, check out the webpage, and you can uh, see any interview that you missed. So we will see you tomorrow. Have a wonderful night. And uh, just be at peace that God loves you, and he's got a wonderful plan for your life, and your heavenly resurrected body will one day be a reality if you know the Lord. Have a good night. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.